This is KMTT and the weekly Pashat HaShavua Shirith. This year, Tavshin Ayin, it will be given by Harav Chanoch Waxman. This week, Pashat Nikes, I would like to discuss the beginning of the Parsha, the dreams of Paro, what the Torah tells us in Perak Mem Aleph. After the Torah describes the dreams of Paro, Paro's first dream of the Parot, of the cows, and Paro's second dream of the Shibalim, of the stalks, the Torah tells us in Perak Mem Aleph, Pasuk Zayin, towards the end of the Pasuk, Vekatz Paro v'nei chalom. Paro woke up, and it was just a dream. Pasuk Chet, and it was in the morning, Vatifa'em Rucho, and Paro's spirit, or his heart, beat within him. Vayishlach, and he sent. Vayikra, and he called. Et kol Mitzrayim, all of the sorcerers, the magicians of Egypt. Vet kol not just the sorcerers and the magicians, but also the chachameh, the wise men. Vayisaper Paro lahem, and Paro told them at Chalamo his dream. Ve'ain poterotam, but there was no interpreter, no one who could puzzle out or provide an interpretation of the dream. Le Paro for Paro. Now we might say that at this point, the fact that Paro has had this dream, and Paro is frightened, his heart beats within him, uh, his heart beats within him, this is a kind of, of crisis uh, for Paro. Um, the Torah tells us, Vayishlach, and he sent, Vayikra, and he called, Kol all of the sorcerers of Egypt, Kol all the wise men, and Paro told them his dream, Ve'en poterotam, and yet there was no Resolution. There was no interpretation or explanation of the dream that was suitable. Um, and in fact, this idea of the lack of pitaron, the lack of solution, resolution or interpretation to the dream, is key in this part of the Torah. Um, from Perak Mem Aleph, Pasuk Chet, where the Torah mentions the word poter, through Perak Mem Aleph, Pasuk Tet Zayin, when Paro says to Yosef, When Paro says to Yosef, I've heard regarding you that regarding dreams, you have in the interpretations, you can resolve them. And And of course, Yosef answers what he answers. From Pasuk Chet, through Pasuk Tetzayin, the stem, Pei Tafresh, meaning uh, pitaron, meaning resolution, meaning interpretation, appears seven times. And this is clearly um, the problem that there is no pitaron for the dream of Paro, and Paro is nervous, Paro is in crisis. Now, on some level, the story of Perak Mem Aleph is the story of the crisis of lack of pitaron, lack of interpretation um, or resolution to Paro's dream, um, on the one hand, and the response to that crisis, the, the resolution to that crisis. As we go on um, in the uh, Torah, going back for the moment to Perak Mem Aleph Pasuk Tet, we're told as follows: Vayidaber Sarah Mashkim et Parolimor, and the Sarah Mashkim, the officer of drinks, said to Paro, was saying, "Et Chatai Ani Maskir Hayom." Um, oh, my sin! I remember, or I mention this day. Paro Katzaf Alavada Vayitenoti BeMishmar. Paro became angry at his servants, and he placed me into guardianship into prison. And we might imagine that the Sarah Mashkim uh, would rather keep quiet. He would rather not mention his chait, his sin. He would not rather not mention the fact that he'd fallen into disfavor um, regarding Paro. But uh, in a time of crisis, an emergency measure is necessary. And the Sarah Mashkim remembers that young Nar Ivri, 
um, that met that he met there that was able to interpret dreams. And of course, he decides to tell the story and to mention to Paro that perhaps there is this Nar Evidivri who has the ability to interpret dreams. And this is sense of crisis or extreme measures is also implicit a few psukim later on. Um, when the Saramashkim continues on and says in Perikmam Aleph Pasigibat, Visham Itanu Nar Ivri Evid Tabachim, um, and there there was a, a Nar, a, a youngster, Ivri, um, he's an Ivri, uh, from the despised caste of Ivrim, Eved, and he was a slave, Lasara Tabachim, but surprisingly enough, um, he had the ability to interpret dreams. So in this moment of crisis, the Saramashkim mentions his chait, and in this moment of crisis, the Saramashkim says, well, maybe we need to resort to the extreme measures of turning to this nar ivri ever, this youth, this Hebrew, uh, this slave, and perhaps he can resolve the crisis. Um, so in moments of crisis, extreme measures are necessary. Now, of course, as we go on through the parak, we know that eventually uh, this nar ivri ever, Yosef, uh, turns out to be the resolution of the crisis. Yosef is pulled out of the bar. Yosef is brought in front of Paro. Paro tells Yosef his dreams. Yosef interprets his dreams. Yosef presents his plan. This all finds favor in Paro's eyes. And eventually we come to Perak Mem Aleph, Pasuk Zion, where the Torah tells us as follows, And the interpretation and the plan uh, of Yosef that was presented was good in the eyes of Paro and and in the eyes of all of his avadim. And Paro said to his servants, Is there found like this a man who has the spirit of God within him? And Paro said to Yosef, After God has told you all of this and given you this interpretive ability, There is no understanding or wise man like you. You will be over my house. Um, by your word or by your mouth, everything will occur. And of course, this is the eventual resolution of the crisis, Yosef is pulled from the bar, Yosef is told the dream, Yosef interprets the dream, Yosef presents the plan, Yosef is elevated, and eventually Yosef uh, is placed in charge of Mitzrayim to accomplish the plan. Now, in this sense, we might think of the storyline of Perak Mam Aleph, a very, very long Perak, which consists of 57 psukim, as a story of crisis and resolution. The crisis precipitated by the unsolved or unresolved dream of Paro, and the resolution found in the person of Yosef, the interpretation of Yosef, the plan of Yosef, and the rise of Yosef. Now, however, I think, while this is fundamentally correct, there's an important question that we need to ask about this parak, um, one which emerges from a few points made by Ramban and Abarbanel, which I would like to discuss primarily in the Shi'ur today. Um, regarding the two dreams of Paro, the first dream, which is, of course, the dream of the Parot, the healthy parot that are consumed by the unhealthy, skinny, and frightening-looking parot. And the second dream of paro, the the healthy um, shibolim, stalks of corn, um, that are consumed by the the skinny, ravished, and unpleasant-looking stalks of, of corn. The seven consumed by the seven. Well, Ramban makes a very interesting point in discussing the interpretation of uh, Yosef. Um, Ramban tells us that parot, what one normally does with parot, with cows or some sort of animals, they're beasts of burden, is one does harisha, one p- 
plows. So the parot represent charish, um, plowing. And the stalks, the stalks of corn, the shibolim, well, they, of course, are what one harvests. They represent not the beginnings of the process of agricultural productivity of harvest, which begins with plowing the charish, but the end of that process, the katsir, um, the harvesting. So the symbols implicit in the dreams obviously represent charish v'katsir, they represent the agricultural cycle. Um, and Ramban has uh, another point, or we might add another point to Ramban. If we turn to the moment for Teperik Mem Aleph Pasuk Kaf, uh, the place in the Torah where Paro reports or tells his dream over to Yosef, um, what Paro says is as follows, Batochalna haparot harakot vaharaot. Um, and the skinny cows, the bad-looking cows, et sheva haparot, they consumed, they ate uh, the, the, the good cows, harishanot, habriot, the first and healthy ones. And then in Pasuk Kaf Aleph, Vatavona el kirbena, and they came into their insides, el and it was not even known that they came into their insides. So Parah uses here the language of vatochalna, uh, and they ate, they consumed, vatavona el kerbena, they came into their insides, el kerbena, and they didn't know, um, it was impossible to tell that the skinny cows had consumed the fat cows. Marahen ra kasher batchila, and their appearance was bad as at the beginning, vaikats, and I woke up. Now, we might add to Ramban's point that the parot obviously symbolize plowing, charish, the beginnings of the agricultural cycle. And the shibolim, the stalks, obviously symbolize katsir, the harvest, the end of the agricultural cycle. Likewise, the succession um, of the good by the bad, the consumption of the bad by the good, the coming into the insides, the eating uh, of the good by the bad, and their disappearance of the good. One can, one can look at the bad and it's as if they never consumed the good. This implies that all memory and all trace of the good will be completely wiped out. So I think what we should realize is that the obvious symbolism uh, of these dreams is more or less exactly as Yosef uh, interpreted them. The dreams are about agricultural uh, plenty or agricultural difficulty. And the seven, as Yosef says, represents seven years of agricultural plenty. And this is rather obvious. And they will be succeeded, consumed by seven years of agricultural scarcity, of famine. And this is the obvious uh, and implicit symbolism of the dream. Um, now, as Urban has already puzzled this out for us, we really need to ask ourselves about the crisis that the Perak originates in. If we go back for the moment to Perak Mam Aleph, um, Pasuk Chet again, Power was panicked. He went and he called all of the sorcerers of Egypt, and all of its wise men. There was no one who could reconcile, who could interpret, who could resolve the riddle of the dream for Paro. And there's a crisis. But what is the great crisis? How difficult is this dream to interpret? It's really quite astounding that none of the Khartoumim or none of the mitz- uh, or none of the Chachamim of Egypt could resolve, could interpret, could be poter this dream. And we need to ask ourselves, uh, how could such a crisis exist? Is it really possible that there was such a crisis? Um, to take uh, a Barbanel's formulation of this problem, uh, the placement of the question mark uh, regarding the crisis of lack of interpretation, um, Abarbanel, in his She'ela Dalid on the uh, Parsha, um, says uh, as follows, 
השאלה הדלת, בפתרונים שפטר יוסף, בפרט שעליהם נשמח לחכם ונבון. Regarding the interpretations that Yosef interpreted specifically, because of this he was treated as a great Chacham Benavon. As Paro said later on to him, there is no one who is Chacham Benavon who has Ruach Elokim in them like yourself. V'chiruach Elokim Kadishin Bey, and he had the Holy Spirit of God within him. V'hi kihine yirah shakal shebekalim. It appears to me that the lightest of the light, v'reik shebreikim, the emptiest of the empty, Hayapoter otam chalamot kamosha patar otam Yosef, would interpret or resolve the dreams as Yosef interpreted or resolved the dreams. And a bit later on, um, in the same question, our Barbanel says, Umid lo yada b'chol ele shaparot ha-tavot v'shibyolim ha-tavot morim al hasova. And who would not know that the good, fat, healthy cows and the good, fat, healthy stalks teach or symbolize years of plenty. Vara'ot morim alarav, and the bad, skinny ones symbolize or teach regarding the famine. And Abba goes on to make exactly our point. How is it possible that all of the wise men and all the advisors of Paro could not present this interpretation? How is it possible that this interpretation is viewed as some sort of great sign of chachma, of wisdom, of havana, of understanding, as ruach elokim, as the spirit of God? How is it possible that the crisis is so great that the slave boy is eventually raised up to be the Mishnah Lamelech because of this crisis? And this is the problem we'd like to deal with in terms of the dynamic of the parak. Now, to begin, to present a basic approach um, to this problem, I would like to take a look at another key word uh, in the parak, in Perak Mam Aleph. Not so much the word poter, pitaron, resolution, which we have focused on until this point, which appears seven times and seems to be the, the basis of the crisis, but a, a different word. Let us pick it up in Perak Mam Aleph, Pasuk Tet Zayin. Um, in Perak Mam Aleph, Pasuk Tet Zayin, Yosef um, responds to Paro after Paro has fished him out of the pit, brought him in front of him, and told him, well, I hear that you have the ability to interpret to resolve dreams. Vayan Yosef et Paro, and Yosef answered Paro saying, Bil Adai. Now most Mifarshim translates this meaning, not I. Lemar Bil Adai, it is not I, but Elohim Yatne'et Shalom Paro. It is God who will answer or provide peace for Paro or provide resolution for Paro. So while Yosef has been told, uh, we hear that you have the ability to interpret dreams, Yosef in fact denies it and says, rather it is Elohim um, that has the ability to respond or to provide the peace that Paro seeks. Now, of course, on some level, uh, this reminds us, this notion of Yosef assigning his interpretive ability or mentioning Elohim in regarding the context of dreams, of course, harks back to Perak Mem Pasukhet, um, the previous set of two dreams, that of the Sarah Mashkin and the Sarah Ofer, that they dream while in prison. And of course, they encounter uh, Yosef there. Um, and they say to him in Perak Mem Pasukhet, the Torah says, they said to him, Chalom Chalamnu, we dreamed the dream, there is no interpretation or resolution. And Yosef said to them, it is God, Elohim, who has resolutions or solutions. Sapu Nali and tell me. So this, of course, is standard for Yosef. But what is interesting is that throughout Perak Mem Aleph, uh, the idea of Elohim is very central. And in fact, Yosef talks about it uh, quite a bit. If we jump down to Perak Mem Aleph, Pasuk Kaf He, um, after Yosef has heard the actual dreams of uh, Paro, Yosef responds as following in Perak Mem Aleph, Pasuk Kaf 
Vayomer Yosef el Paro, and Yosef said to Paro, Chalom Paro Echad The dream of Paro is one dream. The two separate dreams are in fact the same dream. Et asher ha'elokim oseh higid Paro. That which God is about to do, he has told Paro. Or uh, another example in Perak Mem Aleph, Pasuk Kavchet. Hu hadava asher dibarati el Paro. This is the thing I mentioned to Paro. Asher ha'elokim oseh. Again, that which God will do. Hera et Paro. And here, in both of these cases, in uh, instance two and instance three of the mention of Elokim by Yosef, Yosef refers to Asher Elokim Oseh, that which God is going to do, he has showed uh, to Paro. And uh, if we take a look at yet one more example of this in um, Perak uh, Mem Aleph, Pasuk Lamid Bet, um, when Yosef explains the doubling of the dream, he says as follows, This, that the dream has been repeated twice, The matter is indeed correct. It is from God. And God is quickening or intends to do this rather quickly in the near future. So here we have a fourth and fifth time that Elohim is mentioned. And again, um, it is not just that God has the interpretive ability, but it is also God is Oseh, that God does things. Now, interestingly enough, if we think about it, um, there is one more place where Elohim crops up prominently, and this gives us a sixth and seventh mention of the term Elohim, at least within this uh, part of the parak. If we take a look in Perak Mem Aleph, Pasuk Lamed Zion, uh, after Paro has heard the interpretation that Pitaron provided by uh, Yosef, the matter was good in the eyes of Paro, and uh, the eyes of all of his avadim. And Paro said to his servants, Here is sixth time. And Paro said to his avadim, Is there found a man who has the Spirit of God within him such as this? After God has told you this, There is no one like you, etc. I'm going to elevate you. Elohim here in this context uh, of the Chumash, or in this segment of the Chumash, in the dialogue that occurs between Yosef and Paro, Paro and Yosef, when Yosef stands in front of Paro, from Perak Mem Aleph, Pasuk Tet Zayin, to Perak Mem Aleph, Pasuk Lametet, the entire extent of that dialogue, approximately 22 Psukim, the word Elohim appears seven times. And I believe, I think, that the mention of the word Elohim seven times um, is in opposition uh, or in connection to the mention of the Pitaron seven times. It is God who is in some sense responsible for the crisis of lack of Pitaron and also the resolution uh, to the crisis of the lack of Pitaron. As Yosef says over and over and over, Lelokim yesh Pitaronim. It is God who has resolutions. It is God who is going to do this. And in fact, what intrudes here in the mention of Elokim in the balancing out of Elokim against the crisis of Pitaron is the notion of Providence is the notion of God guiding things, of God arranging things here. There's a crucial sense of the providential hand of God in the parak that Yosef introduces through his constant mention of Elohim. Now, if we think about this, this connects up to a very interesting and shocking dynamic that occurs, a uh, development that occurs into, in, in the parak. Um, what happens? How does the resolution of the crisis occur? Well, going back to the words of the Sahar Mashkim in Perak Mem Aleph Pasuk Yud Bet, Visham Itanu Naar Ivri Eved Lesar HaTabachim. And there there was with us in the pit, um, in the prison, a Naar, a youth, Ivri, Hebrew, Eved, a slave. 
So in terms of gil, in terms of age, he's completely unsuitable. He's a nar. And in terms of his motza, his origin, his racial profile, he's an Ivri, he's a Hebrew, he's completely unsuitable. And in terms of his social and political status, he is an Eved, uh, he is a despised slave. And yet as the story develops throughout Perak Mem Aleph, this person who is youthful, inexperienced, of the wrong caste, uh, and of the wrong racial origin, what happens? Paro eventually says... Um, in Pasuk Lamed Chet, to his servants, Is there found a man who has the Spirit of God within him, like this one? There is no one, after God has told you all this and God is with you, there is no one wise and intelligent understanding like you. Pasuk Mem, You will be above my house or upon my house. Um, and of course, Yosef is eventually interpreted as the shalit, uh, eventually appointed as the shalit, as the governor of all of Eretz Mitzrayim. The story of Perak Mem Aleph is the story of the meteoric and impossible rise of the despised one, of the youth, of the Eved, of the Ivri, to the position of Mishnah Lamelech, of second in command to the king. Despite his age and inexperience, despite the fact that he's a slave, despite the fact that he's a Hebrew, he becomes the number two man in Egypt except for Paro. And obviously, this impossible rise of Yosef is the story of the hand of providence. So it's not just uh, the idea of providence or the idea of Elohim as central, that God is the one who resolves the dreams and makes things happen. It is also the fundamental dynamic of resolution um, in the parak. The rise of Yosef is also uh, the hand of God, the hand of providence. Um, and finally, just to kind of highlight this theme in yet one more way, take a look, let us go back uh, to a very crucial symbol. Let us think about a very crucial symbol uh, in these uh, prakim of the Chumash. What I have in mind is the idea of, of lechem, of bread, which of course is closely connected with harvest and famine and the like. As we well know, um, in Egypt uh, there was a custom um, that the Ivrim uh, were not allowed to touch the lechem, were not allowed to touch the bread uh, of uh, of the Egyptians. Well, how do we know this? We actually know this from previously in the Chumash. Back when Yosef uh, was in the house of uh, Potiphar, um, we are told that uh, Yosef uh, had a rise in status. He became the second in command in the house of Potiphar. And Potiphar so trusted Yosef that he left everything in Yosef's hands and just simply forgot about everything. But, except for one thing, Periklamitet, Pasuk Vav, tells us as follows, Vayazov biyad Yosef. He left everything that he had in the hands of Yosef, everything that he had in the hands of Yosef. He knew nothing. Except for the bread. The one thing that Potiphar did not entrust Yosef with uh, was the lechem, the bread. And simply, the simple way to understand this, as Ibn Ezra points out, is literally the physical bread that he ate, he did not entrust uh, to Yosef. Now, why did not he entrust the physical bread that he ate to Yosef? Well, this we know from later on in the Chumash, from Perak Mem Gimel, um, Pasuk Lamid Bet. Um, when the brothers come back to Egypt the second time, and Yosef invites them in for a meal, um, we're told as follows in Perak Mem Gimel, Pasuk Lamid Bet, Vaisimu lo levado, and um, 
he placed uh, for himself alone, and for them alone, and for the Egyptians that were going to be eating with them in the group meal, also they placed separate table settings. Why? Because the Mitzrim could not consume bread with the Hebrews. It was a ritually disgusting matter. Uh, to consume bread with someone of the caste of the Hebrews, with someone who was an Ivri. Somehow or another, being an Ivri was a problematic status, and um, Lechem could not be shared or touched or held in common um, with the Ivrim. This is part of the ritual practice of Egypt. Now, if we think about it, what happens here in Perek Lamentet? Well, Yosef becomes uh, the second in command of power. We have this astounding um, socio and political elevation. Um, well, also as well, what happens eventually towards the end of Perak, what happens in Perak Mem Aleph? I'm sorry. Towards the end of Perak Mem Aleph, when the famine, uh, ensues, all of the people turn to Paro, and Perak Mem Aleph, Paskin and Hay says as follows. Vatirav, uh, kol Eretz Mitzrayim. And all of Eretz Mitzrayim, uh, starved. They were hungry. Vaitzaka'am el Paro lalachem. And they cried to Paro. Um, for bread. Vayomer paro lechol Mitzrayim, and paro said to all of Mitzrayim, lechu el Yosef, um, go to Yosef, asher yomar lechem ta'asu. So when the people turned to paro uh, for bread, for lechem, what did paro do? Paro sent them to Yosef, who in fact was an Ivri, and he sent them to Yosef for bread. In other words, the entire ritual practice, the entire taboo, of avoiding uh, ivri lechem connections has been voided here. So, in fact, again, this is all the hand of providence in this parak. The resolution of the dream, uh, the action about to be taken by God, the elevation of Yosef, both on the socio-political and the ritual level as well, um, the shattering of all the normal rules of Egypt. This is all through, and of course, because of the hand of God. And one is the crucial dynamic. This is one of the crucial dynamics of Perak Mem Aleph. What I would say is that this all originates on some plane in the lack of pitaron. Could this dream have been puzzled out? Could this dream have been interpreted by almost anyone, as both Ramban and Abarbanel say? The answer is, of course it could have. But God prevented anybody from understanding or interpreting this dream. Uh, it was the hand of God that no one could understand it except for Yosef. And it was the hand of God that led to the rise of Yosef. It was the hand of God that led to Yosef being in charge of the lechem, of the bread of Egypt, that led to Yosef being the second in command of Egypt. And why? Because on some level, it's all about setting up the scene in Perak Membet. When the brothers and Yaakov back in Eretz Canaan have no food, have no lechem, what do they do? Perak Membet, Pasuk Aleph, Ve'erdu achei Yosef asara l'shbor bava mitzrayim. And the brothers of Yosef, uh, Perak Membet, Pasuk Kimo, Ve'erdu achei Yosef asara l'shbor bava mitzrayim. And the brothers of Yosef came down all together um, to purchase food in Egypt. That Benjamin Achei Yosef Lo Shalach, and what happens in Perak Membet Pasukei? Vavu Bnei Yisrael Lishbar Betocha Ba'im Ki Ayarav Beretz Kanan. Yosef Hu Ashalit El Aretz Hu Mashpil Cholam Aretz. Vavu Achei Yosef Aishtachvu Lo Apayim Aretza. It is all about setting up this moment. The crisis that begins in the lack of Pitaron, which leads to the elevation of Yosef. It is all about God arranging this moment. 
where the brothers now come for food in front of Yosef, the Mishnah Melach, who's in charge of the food. So it's really all about the story of the hand of God. Okay. I'd like to add just a few more small points um, to this, um, which also, I think, emerge from uh, our original Pasuk, which we began with, um, Perak, um Mem Aleph, Pasuk Tetzayin, when Yosef says uh, as follows, Vayan Yosefet Paro Lemar, Biladai, it is not I, Elokim Ya'ane Et Shalom Paro, it is God who will answer the, the peace of Paro. Now, interestingly enough, uh, eventually, um, it is God on some level that answers uh, the peace of Paro or gives peace to Paro, as I've argued. Um, and eventually, as we see, there's a kind of process um, where Paro also begins to talk about Elohim, which is very interesting. Again, going back to Perak Mem Aleph, Pasuk Lamed Chet, Vayomer Paro Alavadav, Hanimtza Kazeh Ish Asheruach Elohim Bo. Is there found a man who has the Spirit of God within him? Um, after God has told you all this. So it is not just Yosef who acknowledges or recognizes Paro, but it is also, uh, who acknowledges or recognizes Elohim, but it is also Paro who acknowledges and recognizes Elohim. Um, the fact that it is God who gives dreams and the fact that God gives the power to interpret dreams and the fact that God performs actions in the world. Now, we might add to this a, another interesting um, point made by Rashi. Uh, going back to another one of the Psukim uh, that we began with, Perak Mem Aleph Pasuk Chet. Um, Paro told his dreams to all of his advisors and wise men. There was no one who could provide an interpretation to Paro. Now, on this Pasuk, Perak Mem Aleph Pasuk Chet, Ein Potero Tam Paro Rashi, uh, suggests the following, or says as follows. Potrim hayu otam. They did suggest resolutions. Avalo paro, but not to paro. Shelo Their voices did not enter into his ears. Um, and he had no, he had no calm or no acceptance or calmness of spirit. Um, because of the interpretations they provide by the resolutions that they suggested. Rashi makes the point, and here it's based upon the Midrash, that um, quite obviously uh, the Khartoumim and the Chachamim uh, did have possible resolutions to suggest to Paro. And as in the past, when Paro had dreamed dreams, um, the Khartoumim and the Chachamim suggested resolutions. But in this case, as the Torah emphasizes here at the end of Pasukhet, um, the Ein Poter Otam Lefaro, there was no suggestion, there was no resolution um, that found favor in the eyes of Paro. Meaning, theoretically, Paro could have accepted uh, some uh, interpretation or some resolution provided by one of his standard advisors or dream interpreters. But in this case, nothing found favor in Paro's eyes. Nothing met his criteria, nothing come to spirit. And I think the idea is here that it is, again, God that is manipulating Paro. We have Paro manipulated by God. We have Paro eventually uh, acknowledging Elohim. And we have Paro on some level ceding control over his malchut, ceding control over um, his kingdom to Yosef, the Hebrew, the Ivri, the Jew. 
Now, this, of course, can help but conjure up for us, or foreshadow, a process that occurs later on in Sefer Shemot, where Paro is manipulated by God, and Paro um, eventually acknowledges God, and Paro eventually cedes power over his kingdom, and of course, I'm thinking of the story of Gula, of Itziat Mitzrayim, where Paro is manipulated by God, where Paro eventually recognizes God, where Paro is educated, where Paro eventually cedes control over his malchut on some plane to Mosheva Aaron. And the idea is here that our story here in Perak Mem Aleph is not just the story of, of providence, um, of God as the resolver of dreams, uh, of God's providence in creating and engineering the rise of Yosef, of bringing that point in time where Yosef and his brothers meet again, but it also on some level foreshadows and tells us who's really in charge in Egypt. Just as later on, God will manipulate power, force power to recognize him, and control the malchut of Mitzrayim, so to hear already at the very beginnings of the Exodus story in Perak Mam Aleph, God manipulates power, um, God forces power to acknowledge him, God educates power, and on some level it is God who's in charge of matters in Mitzrayim here from the very beginning. And this is another crucial idea in the Discourse on Providence found in Perak Mem Aleph.